As I've uh, been praying lately, there's, there's one thing that's been on my heart for quite a while, and I think a lot of you guys are in the same boat, and that's just this movement God's doing. There's something going on, and uh, I meet with a lot of people. This week I got to meet with more than usual, and one of the things I have noticed uh, talking to people from other congregations, talking to people uh, just all over, it doesn't matter what denomination, it doesn't matter what church, there's a group of people who just feel like there's a movement going on. There's something God's wanting to do. And every one of them say the same thing. I just don't know what it is yet. He's doing something, though. And uh, I've prayed about that, and I've prayed about that, and I, I just think God really does want to do something. And it, uh, I don't know. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I'm going to start out in Second Corinthians, or Second Chronicles 7, and... uh Verse 12, most of us has, uh, have heard this a lot over the last couple years. And it's something that uh, I believe we've prayed it. We've uh, meditated on this scripture. And now I think it's time to implement it. And it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have had heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will fear, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you that you just bless us so much in worship, Lord. I thank you that you're doing something, God, that's bigger than us. And it's grateful that I'm grateful that it's bigger than us because if it wasn't, Lord, it wouldn't be a movement of you. And Father God, I pray today you would just speak through me. I would get out of your way, Lord, and that we would just be willing to receive what you have for us and each of us would be forever changed. In Jesus' name you pray. Amen. I, uh, I pray this and, uh, or I, I read this and, and we've all been, been seeing this for a while, you know, we knew through 2020 and, you know, you just mentioned the word 2020 and everybody has a whole, list of reasons why they wish that year never existed. And then they were like, well, 2021 wasn't a whole lot better. And then 2022 may have been slightly better, but not a whole lot better. And we just see all this stuff that went on. And uh, and I, I, I preached last week in Henderson about waking up. And uh, at the end, I kind of alluded to things that are needed for God to do that. What's up, brother? Good to see you, man. Uh, anyway, I digress. So, I, uh, I start thinking about what could be going on, and, uh, Jason and I even talked about this a little bit yesterday. Whenever there's, there, there's a few different movements that could be happening, uh, at any time, anywhere. The first is, is sometimes there needs to be a great awakening, like we've had in this nation. There needs to be souls saved. There needs to be people to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, right? But then there's this time to where a lot of people 
know Jesus as their Savior, but they don't know more. And there needs to be this outpouring of the Holy Spirit like what we see in Acts 2. There needs to just be this great pouring out of the Spirit and something amazing happening. And then there comes a time there needs to be a revival. That those of us who have known those times and have fallen away or have been asleep or we've just not been to where we need to be, we need to be revived. And I was with a friend the other day, and he said in order for there to be revival, there first has to be vive. So there has to be life. And, and you know, we often pray for revival, but we forget about the rest. And uh, I just know we need some kind of great movement of the Lord in our, in our society, in our church, and in us, right? And uh, we've, heard, we've heard it said over and over with uh, these last few weeks with Asbury and Lee University and... I mean, you can go down the list of all these universities of things going on, and we just keep hearing how all they said was, why not us, why not now, right? They just knew that if God's going to move, why can't he move here? And uh, I've talked to so many people, I've read things about people who've went over to Asbury or to different places to try to get a hold of what's going on there, to, to experience what they got going on. And then they leave, and they're like, that was such a great movement back there. But they're not saying, I had a great movement, or God's doing something to me. So a lot of times we're trying to experience somebody else's movement. We're trying to experiment, experience somebody's awakening, or somebody's outpouring, or we're trying to experience somebody's revival. And then we walk away. And we're like, man, that was powerful. But there's nothing in us that's changed. There's nothing revived in us. There's nothing awakened. There's nothing, you know, there, there's, God is wanting to do something. And what these universities said is, well, if God can do it, why not here? Why not now? Right? And my question is, why not you? Why can't it be you that experiences that very thing? And that's what I want to talk about. Why not you? Right? Pastor Chad can get up here. He's amazing at preaching. He knows the word very well. He's got a great relationship with Jesus. When you pray with him, you know he just knows the Holy Spirit. But you know what? That's not you. That's him. Right? I see Ryan worship and Ryan, whoo, tell you, I'm with Jason. The worship in Henderson, I thought, like, we can't get better than that. And then we come here and it's like, wow. Right? We, we need to be that way. We need to be experiencing something in us that is real. Not going and experiencing somebody else's movement. I don't have a problem with people going to Asbury and searching and seeking the Lord. If they're going to seek the Lord. Instead of going to a place to seek revival. If they're going to just experience what somebody else has, you just ain't going to get it. You're going to walk away saying, like, man, I wish I had that. And you're going to feel left out, right? It's uh, Keith Heffley, who's the founder of Barnabas Ministries, always said, it's, you do more damage to somebody if you take them to a great place and leave them there instead of walking through it with them, right? And it's, we can, we can bring people to salvation, we can share Jesus with them, but if we don't take them farther than that, all they got to do, they're going to fall. Chad talked about it here. You know, we can't just bring people to salvation. We need to disciple people. Well, we also are responsible for making sure we have more. 
You know, you're like, man, I just wish there was a great outpouring here in this church so I can experience what's going on. I wish somebody would do that. And why not you? Why can't you be the one? Even if you're the only one, it it would change your life. And uh, so before I get into uh, the four topics I want... The first thing I need to do is uh, I was praying last night and I was trying to, or maybe it was this morning, I don't know, and I was just trying to figure out where the Lord wanted to go with this. And the first thing I need to make sure, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share John 3, and this is not a normal message for me. Normally, I do topical expository, so I'll go one place in Scripture and I will break it down for the topic I need. I'm going to be all over the place, Right? So you'll just have to follow with me if you want or just listen. But uh, John 3, 3 is where I'm going to go in a minute. But I'm going to share this because uh, something the Lord has showed me the past few days that I forgot was uh, a young man I'm really close to. When he was younger, I remember we were at a, a movement, a youth movement, a youth, whatever we were having with youth at the time. And I looked over at him and the Lord told me, to ask him if he's ever given his heart to Christ. And my thought was, as I know he has, I've known him his whole life. Of course he has, right? And then I look over at him, I say, hey, have you ever prayed and asked the Lord as your Savior? And he said, I don't think so. I was like, huh, I just assumed he did. So I led him in the Lord's prayer. Changed his life, right? Had nothing to do with me. It had to do with the Lord saying, hey, he's ready, Right? few years later, at another youth thing, same kid. I say, hey, we're in the middle of praying. I think they're praying for the movement of the Holy Spirit. I don't remember. And I look over at him and I feel like the Lord says, hey, ask him if he's ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking like, of course he has. He's very spirit-led. So I ask him and he said, I don't think so. So I got to lead him in that prayer. But I assumed he was okay. I assumed he was where... He had already done all those things. And sometimes in a church, we assume everybody knows Jesus and is accepting him as their Savior. But I don't want to assume that. So I'm going to read John 3, 3, and it says, Jesus answered him, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you that unless a person is born again, anew from above, he cannot ever see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb again and be born? And Jesus answered, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, unless a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot ever enter into the kingdom of God. What is born of the flesh is flesh. And what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not at my telling you. You must be born anew. And I share that because if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ, your Savior, the very one who came down from heaven, perfect God, he emptied himself to live a life for us, to sacrifice for us, to die for us, to rise from the dead, and to give us eternal life forever if we just receive him and accept him. Before you leave today, we need to do that. And if you don't know the Holy Spirit, you have not received the Holy Spirit, we want to do that today. 
I am telling you, I know people all around this area right now who are just being overflown with the Holy Spirit. Never knew there was a possibility of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they're seeing it. I know of nine just last week, right? I want that for everybody here. I don't want anybody walking out of here thinking like, well, I don't even know if I have all that stuff. That's most important. The rest of this is not near as important as that, all right? So last week in Henderson at the end, I uh, alluded to the four things from studying that I know are necessary for God to have a movement, such as an outpouring, an awakening, a uh, or a revival. And I'm going to go through those. There's going to be four things. Actually, there's three that are very simple. I'm glad Margie's here. Good. It uh, because she probably already knows what I'm preaching. Uh, three are very important. You find them very simply by just reading scripture. But the fourth is just as important. And we're going to talk about repentance. We're going to talk about holiness. We're going to talk about prayer, and then we're going to talk about worship. Okay. Those three have been present in every movement of God since the beginning of time until today. Okay? And uh, Luke 5.30 says this. It says, uh, And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous. I'm going to reread that. I have not come to call the righteous. I have not come to call the righteous. But I've called sinners to repentance. And for those who think they're right with the Lord and they think they're always good and, and maybe you've never repented and you're living the way you're living and you don't just know that I, something's wrong, all he's asking is repentance. Repentance is a, a, a military-type term. Repentance, for anybody who was in the military, is about face. It means you're walking one way, and then you repent, and you turn the other. And then you would just go in a whole different direction. And you have to learn that in the military immediately, right? And so, what he's calling people to do is that, that, that the ones who are right, hey, you're good, I guess. I don't know. But those who are walking in a way they should not be walking. He's just asking you to turn from it and turn to him. Right? If you were in a great battle and you were losing the battle, you would turn to go to safety. That's what we need right now. We need a whole bunch of people turning to safety. Right? We need to turn to the Lord. Luke 15, there's two versions in this that, uh, I love Luke 15. I, uh, I can preach on Luke 14 and 15 for days. But Luke 15, 7 says, I tell you, this is right after the lost sheep, where he talks about how many of you would not leave the 99 to go find the one who was lost, right? And he says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Get that? Not over one sinner or one righteous person who stays, over one sinner who repents. There's more rejoicing in heaven. God wants us turning to Him. 
He rejoices in us turning to him. And if you're sitting here and be like, but I'm not a sinner, Eddie. I will refer you to 1 John and you can read that and then come back and then tell me you're not a sinner. He said, uh, where are we at? I tell you that the same, in, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous, righteous persons who do not need to repent. And then you go further down into verse 10, and it's right after the lost coin is found. It's been lost. She's searching everywhere. She knows if she don't find this lost coin, she will not be able to fulfill her marriage duties. And she finds a coin and it talks about bringing everybody in to celebrate. And it says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. He says it again. Right? And then after that, he gives us this parable about the, the lost son, the prodigal son, and the, and the brother is there when the son returns and he just doesn't celebrate. And uh, I don't know. God just wants us to turn to him. The one son got it. We have to get that, right? If you want to see God move in your life, and I don't care where you're at in your walk with Christ, if you are not turning towards him, it is impossible for him to do it, right? He will not go try to fulfill what he wants to do in you when you're not with him, all right? Then Acts 3.19 says, says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. That time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? The refreshing comes from Him. Like all He's asking you to do is turn towards Him and He will refresh you. I love that. Sometimes we're like, why can't I get this right? What is wrong? He's just saying, come, repent. Turn to me, I'll refresh you. So the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things by, about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets long ago. If we turn towards the Lord, it goes back to that John 3 thing. We repent, we receive the Lord, and we turn to the Lord. He receives us. He rejoices us. He takes. He uh. He'll rejoice with us. Bring rejoicing. You know what? That doesn't always change your circumstances, the trials you're going through. They don't change, but the one you're going through it with does. What you're focused on does. If you can get your mind focused on Him, it changes your whole mindset. And as I said, the next one, and I'm going to go through these kind of quick because I just feel like I need to. The next one's holiness. And there's a difference in worldly holiness and biblical holiness. Holiness in the world would think like, oh, he thinks he's all high and mighty and he's holy and he's somebody. That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about being set apart for him. Pastor Chad talked about it not long ago. He's asking us to set our lives apart for him. When we repent and we turn towards the Lord and we don't stay with the Lord, but instead we go right back to where we were, you're not holy. But if we are holy and we're set in our minds on the Lord and we're, we're set apart for the Lord, and we've repented and we set apart for the Lord, 
He can do something. You're in his presence. You're with him. Nothing is going to be able to take you out if you're right there with the Lord. Right? It's impossible. Because I don't know about you, but I've yet to find somebody bigger than the Lord. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action. I like it. Preparing for action. And being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the uh, revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. I don't know about you guys, but I got a lot of former ignorance. And I got some current ignorance that I need to return away from, right? He said, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, he is set apart. You also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. And the Lord is calling us to be holy. You know how you can be holy? Set yourself apart for the Lord. Repent, turn to the Lord, and stay there. Pastor Chad talked about the message last week, running to Jesus. That's all he's asking you to do. Run, run to him. Stay there. If you can stay with Jesus, you're holy. Nothing can pry you away from Jesus except for you walking away. Right? Hebrews 12.12 says this, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Anybody ever had drooping hands and weak knees? You ever felt like you're defeated? And make straight paths for your feet so that, that what is lame may not be out of joint, but rather be healed. I don't know about you, but I think we need healing. I think our spirits are broken at times. I think there needs to be something in us that's healed. Sometimes we just feel like I strive and I strive and I strive and God, I can't do it. Right? I hear so many people right now, they say, they seem to think everything just seems like God is just pouring more and more on them. And it's not God, it's Satan. Christians right now are under attack that I've never seen before. But Satan doesn't attack anything that's not worthy of attack. There's a reason why he's attacking. Right? He wants to try to stop what God wants to do. And uh, I'll tell you what, he's going to be really shocked whenever he doesn't get us. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. There it is again. If you want to see a movement of the Lord, it takes holiness. It takes being set apart. If you want to see the Lord, the only way you see the Lord is if you're in His presence, if you're with Him. That's it. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father in Heaven doing. The only reason why He could see what His Father in Heaven was doing is because He was spending time with His Father in Heaven. He was set apart for His Father in Heaven. And if we set ourselves apart, we will see what the Lord is doing and we will see the Lord. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, this is uh, Romans 12, 1. We usually go to Romans 12, 2 because it's the neat one. Don't be, you know, don't let your mind be conformed to the ways of this world. I love that. But before Romans 12, 2, there's Romans 12, 1, and that's what I'm going to read. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, 
and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, how many of us, and I don't want hands, but how many of us, either ourselves or somebody else said, I've accepted the Lord and I'm good. I'm all right. I don't need all that church stuff or I don't need to go do this or I don't need to do that. And you know what? Maybe you don't. But if you want God to be able to do something in your life, you need to truly be turning to him and set apart for him. We don't get saved so we can go out and live whatever life we want to live. We get saved because we want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? We get saved because we want to be in heaven with him one day. But he said his kingdom's right here on earth. And if you're not in his kingdom right here on earth and experiencing the kingdom of heaven right here on earth, there's probably something that needs to change. Right? And the next one I said was prayer. We're going to get into this whole prayer thing. I love what Jason said earlier about the prayer of when we're praying. I think you said that here. You either said it here or Henderson. But when we pray, oftentimes it's one of these things where you can spend a lot of time with God and never have that true connection with him. You you have a shallow relationship and you just don't feel like much is getting done in your prayer. But whenever you have that deep connection and you're honest with him and you, you're You've turned to him. If you've repented and you've turned and set yourself to the Lord and you start praying, things start happening. Right? Now, I'm not going to tell you you're going to see miracle signs and wonders when you do that. What I'm saying is you're going to start seeing a change within yourself when you do that. You're going to start seeing a peace come upon you. You're going to start seeing those fruits of the Holy Spirit in you. There's going to be a joy in you. There's going to be all these things that are heavenly not worldly. We come often in prayer for fleshly things. He's asking us to come for the spiritual things, right? Let's say there is a great outpouring right here. Let's say right now God just starts pouring out his Holy Spirit. We see the tongues of fire going. How many of you guys in the middle of that are going to be like, boy, I hope I see some arms grow back. Or No, you're going to be sitting there and be like, oh my goodness, we got the Lord here, right? That's what he wants. He wants us to focus on him and not on the things he can do. I don't know about you, I'd much rather have Jesus than healing. I'd much rather have Jesus than finances. Because I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus, and that what, that's what heaven is, is Jesus. If Jesus ain't there, it's not heaven. It's hell. And a lot of us are living in hell right here on earth because we don't have Jesus with us and what we're going through. Right? but we don't have to. We don't have to be walking through hell right now. We can be walking through darkness with Jesus by our side and we're in the kingdom. Right? So Mark 7, 7 says this. This is my favorite scripture. And I always say I got a lot of favorites, but this one may truly... I know whenever I'm meeting with somebody and they're struggling, this is my favorite scripture to ever share with them. Because it makes more sense to me than any scripture in all of the Bible about how we should be acting. And Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. I could stop right there and that would be enough for me. The reason why we don't have is because we're not going to the Lord and seeking him. The reason why your relationship with Jesus isn't where it needs to be is because you're not seeking him. Right? That's why... 
so many people are struggling. We're seeking other means. We're seeking other things. We're, we're just broken. We're messed up people. And you know what? I can come in here and I can seek the Lord. I can be by myself or I can be with a group and I can be seeking the Lord and feeling this outpouring of the Holy Spirit on me. And I can walk out and immediately forget it. But he wants us to seek him constantly. He wants us to walk with him constantly. What, is, what does the scripture say? Pray without cease. We should always be in his presence. We should always be seeking him. We should never leave without him. Right? So it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And which of you, if his son asked for him for bread, would give him a stone? And which of you, if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to you? Okay. This goes right back to what I was saying before of, uh, why not you? Why can't you go to your father and ask him for an outpouring? Why can't you ask him to awaken you? Why can't you go to your father and ask him to revive you? Why can't it be you? It's simple. We're always looking for these great movements. We're like, Lord, we want a great revival. I would love to see it. I would love to see this whole community around here saved. I'd love to see the Holy Spirit moving mightily. But why can't we focus on you first? Why does it have to be big movements, not small movements? He said, if I can trust you with a little, I can trust you with a lot. But he first got to trust us with a little. If we're not willing to revive ourselves, to ask and pray for ourselves, how can he trust us to do it anywhere else? If you're not alive, if you're not revived, if you're not awake, how can you awaken somebody else? How can you revive somebody else? How can you pour into somebody else if the pouring hasn't been done into you first? What do you have to pour? Right? We have to seek it first for ourselves so he can do it other places. And you're like, well, yeah, but he who is first is last and he who is last is first. It's not in this. It is better to give than receive, but if you have not received, you can't give. All right? So you have to receive before you can even give. Why not you, right? Romans eight twelve says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. I like Paul. Paul will tell you how it is. Stop living according to the flesh. We're, we're debtors. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God... Are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. How about that? He's our Father. We are adopted. We are heirs. Right? We just cry out to Him and He's there. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs 
with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We have to remember who we're going to prayer to. He is our father. We are the ones he loves. We are heirs. We are sons and daughters. You are princes and princesses. That one hits hard in children's church. You talk about them being princes and princesses, they're like, oh, yeah. Right? They love it. We hear it and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the son and daughter of God. No, you are an heir. You are a royal priesthood, as Pastor Chad has spoke. You are somebody. You have an audience with God. You can walk right into the throne room and speak to him any day. Let me tell you this. You try to walk into the White House and speak to the president, it's not going to go well for you. You're not a son or his daughter. And some of you are thinking, good. Right? This ain't a political message. Because really it doesn't matter what happens in the White House if you don't have this. You are the sons and the daughters of God. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. Why don't we approach God in that way? Why don't we think that he wants to give us something better? Why are we waiting for somebody else to get it so we can experience it? It's ours. It's ours. And, and I talked about these being the things that I've seen studying. I've done a lot of studying on outpourings and awakenings and revivals. I know Pastor Chad has also, and many of us have. But those three things are the most important things I see in all of them. You know, if you look at Acts, they had to be set apart. They had to go where Jesus told them to go. They had to be praying, and they had to wait. And then they had this great outpouring, right? Before that, before Jesus came back, they were out doing whatever they wanted to do again. They had to turn back away from where they were at. Peter's like, I'll just go fishing. I don't know what else to do anymore. Jesus already taught him to stop fishing and go fish for men, and he stopped doing it, right? We do that. We fall back into what's comfortable. But they had to actually set themselves apart, be in prayer, leave where they were at, and wait for this outpouring, right? And uh, even this, these kids all over the country right now saying, why not me? Why not us? And in some places, there's as little as eight kids getting together. They start seeking the Lord, and they're just praying for the Lord. Lord, why not us? And he does something. He starts pouring himself upon them. You know what happens after he starts pouring himself upon them? They can't help but worship. They can't help but praise him. Because that's what we do when we're in the kingdom of heaven. We worship and we praise. Right? It's what we do. It's who we are. If you read Revelation over and over and over, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, right? That's what the angels are doing right now in heaven. They're worshiping. And we get to be a part of that, right? So that's what happens whenever he calls us into something more. And we get a little bit of it here and there on Sundays and very few of us get it on worship nights because most of us are like, ah, it's tired and 
Ryan will understand I didn't show up. It ain't about Ryan. It's about you. Right? That's all right, Ryan. It's not about you for once. Hebrews 12, 28. says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer a God-acceptable worship. Not a human-acceptable worship. Not a worship to where... Man, Eddie thought I did a good job in worship. No, a God-acceptable worship. That means you're lifting it up to Him. doesn't matter who else is around. It's all about worshiping Him, right? He said, a God-acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. What if you looked at God that way? What if our thoughts and, and ways we view our God that we're worshiping were a little different? And that consuming fire that we get to be a part of. I don't know. It's, that stuff's exciting to me. John 4, 22. You worship what you do not know. This is right after he's talking uh, to the Samaritan woman. It says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. So, for salvation is from the Jews. And sometimes we do that. We worship what we know. And we're just worshiping. And we come because he's God, and that's what we do is we worship God, and we praise him, and we, we bring whatever gifts we have to him. And, and it can almost be a ritual. It can be something we just do because it's what we do, right? And some people come and they worship a God they don't even know yet. It says, but the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. Because God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I want to ask you, are you able to come to God and worship in that way? Do we come and worship Him in spirit and in truth, knowing who He is, and worshiping and letting the Holy Spirit just pour back into Him? And are we those kind of people? Right, and uh, I'm going to close this out here in a minute, and Braxton's going to play a song here in a second for you. I want you to hear. And I don't even know if it's legal for us to play this song, but it doesn't really matter. We're going to play it anyway. It's it's one I heard on Caleb. It's a testimony about the revivals, and uh, as I was driving down the road last Monday, I heard this, and it just hit me like this is this is it. And uh, and as we're listening to this, I want you to hear these testimonies and. and Tracy, you can come up, Ryan, whoever, because uh, afterwards I'm going to close some prayer and open up the altars. But I want you to hear what's going on. And I want you to think about where you're at. Have you received Jesus Christ? Have you repented of the things you've been doing? Have you set yourself apart for God to be able to even use you, to be able to speak to you, to pour into you? If you're not there for him to do it, how can he do that, Right? And have you been praying? Have you actually been spending time with God? And is it reflecting your worship? And go ahead and play the video, Braxton, or the, the audio. And uh, just listen to this. It's, uh, you'll have to turn it up a little bit.
is not only at Hughes. God is everywhere else. You can worship him everywhere else. You can feel his presence everywhere else. He is God of every single place. And it's cool that he's showing up here in a really powerful way. But he can show up anywhere in a really powerful way and he'll meet you right where you're at. that those kids are in the middle of this revival or outpouring, whatever you want to call it, and they realize that there's nothing unique about them except for they were able to set themselves apart for the Lord and to pray and to receive. And then they say it can happen to any of us. It can happen right where we're at. And I'm going to open up this altar for anybody who wants to pray and to do those things. If you've not received Jesus Christ, your Savior, if you have not received the Holy Spirit, Pastor Chad and I will both be up here. I'm sure Jason will be up here, and we will lay hands on you. We will pray for you. But if you just have not had the opportunity to repent and to seek the Lord and to pray and to worship Him the way that He deserves to be worshipped, this altar is open. I'm going to pray. Father God, search our hearts. Speak to us. God, where we fall short, I pray you would give us the ability to step into what you're calling us to do, Lord. We need you. We want to see you move, Lord, right here in each of us. Why not us? Holy Spirit, move how you want to move. I don't have to invite you. You're going to do it anyway. But Lord, I just pray you move. Name we pray. Amen. If you're here today, or if you're home watching, or you're listening to this on podcast later on sitting here thinking, I just wish things were the way they used to be. Or you're thinking, I wish God would give me the things I need in this world. I'm going to refer you to two people. One is David and one is Solomon. David was never at peace. He was always at war. Always fighting. You read all the story about David and his own son was trying to kill him. Yet his heart was always after God. There was this peace in him, this love for for God in him, this whole connection with the Lord that Solomon didn't have. Solomon lived his whole earthly life in peace, had everything he could ever want. He was the, the leader of the free world. He had everything. If you read Ecclesiastes, it was never enough. Until he realized... What he needed the whole time was God. And no matter what we go through, no matter what you're going through right now, what you need is God. What you need is Jesus. You need that deeper relationship. You need to set apart yourself for Him. Turn from the things you've been doing. Maybe the thing, maybe they're not even bad things. As we like to say here, the enemy of good, uh, best is good. The things we think are good are not always what's best for us. Right? 
we would repent and we turn to the Lord and we seek Him and we pray and we just ask He'll show up He'll show up your circumstances may not change but you'll be where you need to be you'll have what you need because all we need is Jesus that is it and His Holy Spirit that's it there's nothing else we need. Paul said, your grace is enough, right? And what did Peter say? Where else would I go but to you? Right? We need that kind of mind. We need that kind of heart. We need that kind of desire. We're close to prayer. If you need prayer, feel free to pray. If you want to come up to the altar on your own, we'll turn on some worship music and you can stay in here and pray personal prayer. See us. If you don't want to pray here, get a hold of one of us. Let's not walk out of here the same as when we came in. Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. Jesus, thank you that you were willing to die for us so we can be restored to you, that we can be made right to you, and that we can live in your righteousness. Thank you that we don't have to wait till we make it to heaven to be in right relationship with you, to walk with you, to fellowship with you, to commune with you, to have that that peace, that joy. Father God, I pray your Holy Spirit would pour upon everybody in here. And you would be with us as we walk throughout our week, God, and we would always be reminded. It's not the things of this world that bring peace and joy, but it is your Holy Spirit. Help us to be more focused on you, Lord, for what you're going to do with us, Lord, and in us. Why not us, Lord? I thank you, and I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.